Gaming on the Frontier. This is Bruce. This is Trav. And this is Jonathan. Welcome to Gaming on the Frontier. Your podcast of, I'm out of here. I'm not putting up with this anymore. And I'm going to go and take my dragon train off to the stars. See you later, scumballs. <laughs> Albert Finney over there needs to settle down. You're not my real dad. I'm going to go live with my real dad. <laughs> I don't have to listen to you. You're not my real dad. Oh, I, if I could have a nickel for every time someone said that to me at summer camp. <laughs> yeah. Anyways, uh, yeah, that was... Uh, I got really good at threatening people. <laughs> and this is the relatively quiet one, folks. Yeah, well, I mean, I was 18 years old, and uh, they were all from inner city New York. And I was used to going to a church summer camp for summer camp, and it was a whole different thing. Oh, you got schooled then. Okay, yeah. yeah. But anyways, uh, okay, welcome to Gaming on the Frontier. Uh, tonight we are talking about going rogue. You see what I'm yeah. saying? Even if the anti-hero is just the uh, identity you've assumed... And you might be inside are really still the nice guy you always were. But you now have to play this, 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 some, as they put, some bitch. <laughs> yeah. You know, so th that, you know, that's what I, I'm saying is, is that you, you're, you're the Dread Pirate Roberts. Yeah. Well, <laughs> I'm, the, I, I think the jury's still out on the Dread Pirate Roberts. I, I mean, they act like nobody gets killed. <laughs> it's like, he's a pirate. You know, does I mean, historically, when pirates showed up after the initial, after it was obvious that they were uh, overwhelming the ship's crew, you know, as far as fighting them off, the ship's crew would you the the merchant would say, okay, I give up. They come over, they take some of their stuff, not all of it, because if they did, then they they would be out of business. They wouldn't come back with more stuff, so they'd take some stuff and then they'd leave. You know, and, and maybe say, hey, you guys want to join our crew? <laughs> Rather than, you know, working for the man. So that's the kind of uh, very um, romantic pirate, you know, uh, pirate life that we like. And that's a good that's a good example of going rogue, where you're uh, somebody who is on, uh, uh, on, on a merchant thing and you're, you know, you're, you're under hard taskmasters or whatever, but, you know, you just don't want to keep doing this job on this ship you want more excitement or whatever pirate ship comes up says hey we got we you, you guys killed two of our crew we got room for two new and then you go i'm up <laughs> see ya i mean it can happen uh, new job e either everybody does that and that you know joins the new pirate crew or there's some of them the players are already in the pirate crew or whatever but it's essentially that same idea where you're going rogue from the status quo of being a loyal, you know, uh, uh, heads down, do it, you know, or even, even someone who's 
thinking to rise in the ranks of of of, of the, the 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 shipping, you know. And uh, but something happens that you just I don't know. It just takes too long. Uh, you've seen too many. Uh, you know, you've taken one too many cargoes of slaves from South Africa or uh, North Africa over to the colonies, and you're like, I don't want to be part of this anymore. Getting a Yandu and the Ravagers vibe because he was supposed to, you know, what was the one thing? We never deal with children. And right. so, yeah, so instead of yeah, yeah. getting the child and taking him back to Ego, they took him in and raised him as their own. Made him a thief. He was small, small, good for thieving. Yep, yep, yep. So, uh, yeah, so, you know, it, it, it really falls into that category of, uh, you know, uh, being becoming a pirate and then later on you can redeem yourself by becoming a, pir a privateer and at the end of which you then get to go and 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 uh, they give you land and things like that at the end of the war <coughs> and you can settle you know I, have you guys ever watched um uh cutthroat island with uh, gina davis heard of it i think it may have seen yeah, it ages matthew yeah. modine uh, uh yeah. gina davis frank langella He's the bad guy, and he's like he's like the uncle. <laughs> he's so terrible. I mean, as in bad, but he's it's it's wonderful scene chew, scenery chewing, lots and lots of sword fights, big you know monstrous storms and stuff like that. I think it's a great movie. But at the end of which, they finally get their hands on a tremendous amount of money. The the leader Gina Davis turns around and says he says, "What do you think about getting a bigger boat?" Better cannons. Really go out there and make some really big scores. And they're all like, you know, farming actually sounds like a good idea. Oh, <laughs> and the entire crew basically says, no, nope, we're done. You know, we this this was our, our last adventure, you know, and we almost died a dozen times. We're we'll take the money, buy ourselves some land and grow some crops. We're, we're fine with that. But you can imagine an entire town you know, a uh, farming community that's all being uh, supported. It is all, it's, it's all being settled by the crew of a vicious, you know, s you know, a uh, bunch of scallywags. I mean, that, that could be some, some serious fun right there. It's, it's, it's like, how, how, how come everybody in this town is death level? And, and walking around with a peg leg. Yeah. Right, because, because everybody ninth level or below died on our last mission. <laughs> so that's why we're all 10th level. So, yeah. So, yeah, I, I can really see that as the as the end game, you know, of um, of going of a going rogue campaign where you start off as uh, essentially pirates, you trans transition into privateers, and then you finally have, you know, you succeed at, at, at um, you know, um, Coming back, because like I say in the, in the movie, uh, Pirates of the Caribbean, the uh, East India Company basically gets gets their what for at the about at the end of the series. So you know these very powerful people uh, finally get brought low, and you know by a bunch of people that turn pirates essentially. You know all the uh, except for Johnny Depp, most of the characters were good people that literally fled you know, uh, became pirates and, uh, at least the, the main characters of Will and I'm blanking on Kira Knightley's character, but Will Turner, Will Turner. Right. You know, they were, they were good, solid citizens. 
Okay. And they became really, you know, uh, uh, ferocious pirates. And then finally at the end, they uh, got to, you know, return. They, they, they brought the comeuppance back to the people that were really the, the real enemies and, uh, and, uh, and settled down for a nice life together. I see that as a great example of, uh, of, of doing that. And, and, and because it's got to be exciting for the players. They've got to like really, you know, jump into it. So having a lot of bad blood that needs to be addressed, but not right now. Okay. Because in, right now you've got to build up your resources. You got to, you know, make your new contacts. You're going to have to uh, get people on your side, you know, and uh, do perhaps some, some important deeds that need to be done first. And then you can deal with your backstory. You know, the reason why you became a rogue in the first place. Some examples from the media of uh, these kinds of characters is, for example, Doctor Who. Most people don't think of Doctor Who as being a, a rogue type character, but he's like, in the early, uh, especially the Tom Baker years, uh, he was iconoclastic. I mean, you know, the, uh, the whole, uh, the all the other you know, Time Lords just... Oh, no, the bad hairdress, the bad helmets and the red robes, and oh, no. They all hated him. They hated him, yeah. The, the Doctor repeatedly said, yeah, Time Lords, very powerful, no fashion sense. And I, and I like there were ads when Peter Capaldi got his, you know, set wardrobe. And he just, the, the ad even said, no hats, no scarves, just 100% rebel Time Lord. And it was where he had the blue crushed velvet jacket with the red lining. Uh-huh. Yeah, that. And so they even put that as like a poster when they were announcing that Capaldi got the role. Okay. That this is how he's going to dress. And, you know, he looked sharp. I mean, I, that was my preferred out for him, outfit for him as opposed to the hooded sweatshirt where he kind of looked like, you know, kind of slumming, you know. But, yeah, uh, Doctor Who, no. He is a rebel from his society because the time lords even said we're not going to interfere and all he does is interfere <laughs> yeah gra grabs a wonky outdated tardis and goes off to explore everything you know and right. has been called to the carpet on it several times throughout you know the past 55 years right you know? and he's called and he's called them to the carpet a number of times for not living up to their obligations and and role as time lords uh, Blake Seven, uh, uh, you know, we here we have a very uh, a group that broke away from uh, a major um, galactic, you know, culture, and is fighting the good fight uh, against them. But you know, also having to uh, uh, deal with other things. I actually haven't watched Blake Seven, except I know how it ends. Yeah, I've heard of it. I've never seen it. Yeah, but it's also it's hugely popular when it first came out, and I'm sure that if anybody watched it, they would probably find it just as engaging as it was before. But you know, and of course, we already mentioned the A Team. Um, yep. You know, the Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy I put down because people don't seem to realize that uh, you know, I mean, or maybe they do. Uh, but Zaphod stole the heart of dark. Uh, I mean, the, the heart, of gold. heart of gold. He's like on the run from the rest of the galaxy. 
Yeah. You know, the Bogons are trying to capture him and a bunch of other people trying to capture him. And uh, he's the fact that he has literally the fat, well, the fastest ship in the in the uh, in the galaxy uh, at that time is uh, the main reason why he manages to keep escaping, you know, them from you know trying to, to, to do stuff to him. Um, so uh, and been falling in with that group, uh, it would you, you're basically fi- finding yourself definitely making a huge break from your previous life, Arthur Dent. Yeah, you know, I don't yeah. know what Arthur Dent did for a living, but I got the feeling it wasn't very exciting. No, it, it sounded like he had a very humdrum. Yeah, I, I read the book ages ago, shortly after Doug, uh, Douglas Adams passed, and then of course I saw the movie with. Sam Rockwell, Martin Freeman, Mo Steff, uh, Zoe Deschanel. Yeah. And I think, I think he was just like your typical maybe cubicle worker or office worker and just, you know, what what was the term that Bobby the Brain Heenan used? Nine to five garden variety humanoid. Yeah. Yeah. I think yeah. he was meant to be the definition of mundane. Yeah. Yes. If, it, if it had been, you know, a, a Japanese anime, he would have been a salary man. Yeah. Right. Okay. So the point was, is that, you know, he's going totally rogue in a way, kind of got abducted. Uh, he didn't really have any choice. They were just going to destroy the planet. Uh, and, but he seemed to embrace it pretty well. You know, he's just, uh, uh, and, and of course, um, you know, Trillian, uh, who was decided, decided she didn't want to go to work on earth anymore. She decided to go party with Zavod. And Zaphod's on the run, and just because uh, and and going around and doing various things, uh, and uh, of course the only person who has a real job in the whole bunch is uh, Ford Prefect, you know, and, and he's just you know, every place he goes, he makes a new entry for the uh, Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. Yeah, and I guess yeah. somehow he gets paid. Well, it's the, the Encyclopedia Galactica is the one that's paying him so we you know sends in the articles that he gets from wherever and they pay him yeah yeah so i'm just saying he's the only character that's basically really doing what he's supposed to be doing everybody else is essentially you know not doing something that they're not supposed to be doing you know including uh uh poor uh uh, marvin who has a brain the size of a planet but keeps being assigned all these menial duties hilariously (laughs) <laughs> delightfully play or voiced by the late great alan rickman oh god that was just wonderful just, so great yeah 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 does does droll very very well yes no there's a it, it's funny there real quick there's a dementia song uh wildcard has it. he's played it on a show bruce you met him and it's called marvin i love you where you know marvin is just like this and all of a sudden he finds this weird file and it's this woman simply saying, singing Marvin, I love you. And it gives him a bit of happiness in his otherwise sad existence. <laughs> or no, what's his full name? Marvin, the paranoid Android. Yeah. It's like, I don't, I don't see him as paranoid. I just see him as you know, clinically depressed. No, yeah. he's manic depressive. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but I'm just saying is that there, you know, here's a, a group of people that are just really, you know, crazy like that, you know. Uh, there's actually a, a good example from the Bible, Jacob. First of all, 
Jacob goes and gets, uh, has to flee his own people because he essentially stole his brother's birthright. And his brother is a big, beefy guy. And he's literally about to kill him when he manages to escape. And he runs off and he meets this guy with who has two daughters uh, and a whole bunch of goats and takes him on as a hired hand. And he falls in love with the younger daughter, uh, whose name is Rachel. And the father says, well, tell you what, you work for me for uh, 10 years and you can marry my daughter. He says, what a deal. And uh, so he works with it. 10 years later, they have the wedding. He goes into the tent. You know, he's, you know, they, they, they send in his wife. He consummates his marriage. Wakes up the next morning, it's the older daughter. Oh. He comes out saying, hey, you tricked me, blah, blah, blah. He says, well, yes, son-in-law, I did trick you, but I can't take her back. After all, you did consummate your marriage. But I'll tell you what. He says, you can take her, young, her younger sister as your, as your wife now, because you can have more than one wives, and, but you have to work for me another 10 years. He says, okay, I'll do that. So he does another 10 years, at which point, you know, he's been really good at, 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 at uh, running these, these, these goat herds and has been very prosperous, all right? And he basically says, okay, uh, it's time for me to, like, come out from underneath your shadow. I want to take my wives and my kids, and I want to go, I want to leave, and I want a portion of the goats because, you know, I've been making them. And the father says... I don't want to give you anything. He doesn't say that, actually. He says that to, like, his people. I don't want to give this guy anything. He, says, he comes back and says, I'll tell you what. He says, every dark-hued goat, you know, that, you, that, that is born in the coming season is going, to, is, is going to be your goat. And any of the ones that are not, you know, dark-hued, actually spotted was the term, uh, then uh, is mine. And then he goes and says, all right. Now, we know something about how genetics works. So you go out there now and you find all the, the spotted he-goats, make sure that something happens to them. So there's only the non-spotted he-goats to, to, to make new goats. Yeah. But Jacob receives a vision from God which says is that if you go and take bananas and mash them up and, put, and feed them to the goats, then the offspring will be spotted. And he does, and all the offspring are spotted. At which point, he gets all the brand new goats and says, okay, see you, Dad. <laughs> and basically has to run for his life. Because <laughs> Dad is, does, obviously, somebody, you know, it's like, you can't screw me over. I was screwing you over. So this is a good, so he basically goes rogue from his family, takes his wives, takes his kids, you know, basically makes a huge break from, you know, the, uh, uh, from his life of the last 20, 20 some years and heads out on his own. The story continues and, and he, he ends up becoming Israel, fathering uh, 12, 12 boys who become the heads of the tribes of Israel. Ah, okay. It's a it's an important story. 
but I'm just saying is that it, 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 he, he has a series, he goes, he basically goes rogue. He seriously has to break with his, his situation in order for him to basically assert himself as, you know, his own person, you know, and it's, it, it causes a lot of bad blood, you know, ultimately, by the way, he does return back to his real, his, his brother and, and manages to reconcile with him. But, uh, so that works out pretty well too. But uh, that's a whole another story entirely, and uh, that's and that's a case of where he has to basically come up with a path of of uh, reconciliation with his brother, which uh, which works out. But uh, anyways, so that's another example uh, of, of of this kind of going rogue and what it could lead to. Okay, uh, the last thing I can think of is uh, the whole Babylon Five storyline where they basically say look you know the shadows are coming they're going to destroy us earth force is corrupt babylon station now is its own entity and we don't answer to earth force anymore and earth force shows up to basically take it back and that's when the mimbari show up and say no you're not so you know sometimes when you go rogue you got to get some friends to help you help extract you from your situation, how to establish your situation. And that can be really cool, too. Okay, was that the, and I'm trying to recall by which quote, was that the Susan Ivanova? No, that that was the... Or was that um, uh, Delenn? Delenn. That was the Delenn quote. There is only one person who has ever beat them in Bari forces. He is behind us. You are in front of us. Okay, got it. I mean, I still like the Susan Ivanova quote better, but, you know, the Delent one's nice, too. Yes. If you wish to live, go be somewhere else. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and they all turn around and pop into hyperspace and go away. Yeah. Right. So, but I'm just saying is that, you know, that's that's the sort of thing, that's a, a late, you know, uh, going rogue kind of situation where you were the good soldier up till then. I mean, you know, Sinclair, you know, um, uh, I'm sorry, uh, Sheridan. Sheridan. Sheridan uh, was the loyal soldier, you know, and was placed there by Earth Force and was doing his very best. And basically, he does a, you know, not it's not a 180. He's still doing the same job. He just stops letting Earth Force get in his way of doing the job he was sent there to do. So by he was essentially going rogue by following his orders, his original orders. Not with the Earth Force agenda. Right. Yeah. Because he had essentially been betrayed by them. So yeah. yeah. So that's an example of going rogue. And that and as as you and of course if you familiar with Babylon five T V series, it gets very exciting. So uh so you know so I, I keep mentioning this because I want I'm just uh, I want everyone to understand that if you don't make this going rogue exciting, it's you know, you're missing a bet. Okay, you you got to figure you got to figure out a way of of of, of jazzing uh, jazzing it up for you. I mean, it's uh, for yourself. You know, you know when you go rogue, make sure you do something that you've always wanted to do. You know, and it might be a little shady, especially if you're basically having a character that used to be X and now you're Y. You know, uh, you know if you. You know the, the guy. The guy that runs the uh, you know uh, was a 
like I say, straight and narrow uh, uh, detective becomes the um, uh, private detective, of course, and 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 has to deal with all you know uh, all kinds of sleazy people, or like I say, the uh, the A team, uh, the A team. What is not an example of this, by the way, is International Rescue. Because International Rescue is true blue the whole way through, you know. You know, the government says you should, you know, tell us, you know, uh, give uh, or probably a better choice than, than that is um, Supercar, because Supercar, you got this guy out in Nevada who's invented this super car. I mean, he basically can fly, can go into space, and go underwater. He can do all these things. He's invented all this technology. Government shows up, says, you know, as a good God-fearing American, you should, you know. Uh, you should give us all this stuff. You should give us all this technology because that will make America even great and we'd really appreciate it. And he said, you know, as a private businessman, I think I'm going to keep my technology to myself. And I'm sitting there watching this going, wow, things have so changed. <laughs> <laughs> because, you know, we, live, we now live in a, um, you know, in a national security state you know, where people can basically, the government can get pretty much anything they want as long as they say it's for national security. Yeah. It, it didn't used to be that way. That's not an example of someone going rogue. That's somebody who's basically always, you know, been, you know, he's 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 kind of like a, uh, he's iconoclastic. He's, uh, uh, he, he, he just basically, re, he's a, refuses to bow you know he's heroic refuses to bow to to the forces that come against him okay but he doesn't really change you know he just basically weathers all that and of course they the government has to stand back because he keeps saving their bacon you know they have a, they send up a spaceship and the spaceship has something bad happened to him and they don't have it and they don't have another spaceship able to get up there and save the astronauts you know ringy dingy oh uh uh, could you possibly go and save our spaceship? <laughs> oh yeah, sure. Uh, I'll be right there. <laughs> Flies up, <laughs> goes and saves the spaceship. Comes, takes the pilots back down. <laughs> Here you go. <laughs> Hands them back to the government. Says goes on, goes on with his business. You know. So that's not what we're talking about. We're not talking about that. We're talking about something that requires a big break. You know, uh, and and frankly, uh, you know, you know how I've always said things like, you know, conflict is good. You you want your break to be as I don't know, you know, uh, shouting it to the bleachers. You want it to be as big as possible at the same time without being so big that the players essentially feel like they can't ever get a break. You know, they can't ever get rest. There's no place. There's no place they can hide. You know, kind of thing. Well, it, as I said, it was like the old Incredible Hulk series. Yeah, Bill Bixby's character, David Banner, was constantly on the run, but he helped out along the way. So, yeah, he was still getting wins, even though he still had to, you know, get past the law and Jack, uh, Mr. McGee, Jack McGee. Right. Yeah. The reporter. Yeah. Yeah. That's because no, until, the like, the last season, nobody... Nobody believed that Bill Bixby's character wasn't, you know, Bruce uh, Bruce Banner uh, was actually the Hulk, because Bill Bixby looks nothing like Lou Ferrigno. 
Yeah, yeah. Whether yeah. his skin is green or not. <laughs> so yeah, it's 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 nice when you can basically you know slip away like that. Yeah. You know? Batman has the Batcave that he can go back to. You know, Superman just basically just flies off and no one knows where he went. And he, he well, has, Fortress of Solitude. And he, but he also has a secret identity. So I'm just saying is yeah. that part of this is is you're going to have to make sure that the player characters have a way of they ha- they have to be have some kind of refuge that yeah works, fallback position that yeah, works you know this you know that they're not constantly being chased after out of their you know position one after another you know be, uh and and that's that's for the fun of the players I mean dramatically it makes perfect sense that they would be constantly the you know the the, the forces that are against them would constantly be finding them and chasing them off again. But they need a, you know, they, uh, it, I think for the purposes of the, the characters and to be able to develop their own goals and things like that, they need to have some place they can go to that they feel like, you know, they, they have some measure of security. Yeah, it may be inconvenient where they're at, but it is secure. So it could be, like I say, the Forge of Solitude. It could be, you know, uh, Skull Island. Uh, you know, who? Shoot, it could be uh, the center of the Earth. You know, they, and and they they where they can go in there and get re-equipped from uh, the the various uh, local tribesmen. You know, to kind of bring them back out and and, uh, and bring them new technology and such. Yeah, because that was kind of like some of the stuff that happened in the. Um, uh, Edgar Rice Burroughs' Pellucidar series. Yeah. The, the yeah. Uh, main character, David Ennis, uh, he uh, he has this basically atomic drill machine that drills down into the through the crust into the to the center of the earth. You know, the first time he goes, he just goes. and But the second time he goes, he brings all kinds of stuff with him, and uh, which allows him to really... First of all, be better equipped when he has to face off against giant dinosaurs. Yeah. And then yeah. secondly, it also allows him to start really developing those civilizations so that they can then later on uh, actually protect themselves, you know, against other things. But, uh, he, you know, David has, in, in many ways, you know, he is a, he is a kind of a rogue character. He's He, he must be fleeing something because, um, you know, he doesn't go back. He he really prefers to to be you know uh, somebody who lives in the center of the earth than to go back to his life in you know England or America or wherever it was where he's from. It was probably because of let's see that was Victorian era. Yeah, you had all these tribal Aboriginal cultures. That was a juxtaposition, I guess the word is to the stiff Victorian morals that he had to live by. And, oh, you have to have this and this. No, I'm living on my own terms. And it's far away from all of you. It's very refreshing. And, of course, you know, he he has the most beautiful woman in the world who wears very little clothes as his queen. Because that that's that's a standard trope in all of, of Edgar uh, Rice Burroughs' uh, novels. We don't wear any clothes we don't have to. Uh, another thing that uh, all this reminded me of is um, when we discussed it earlier was uh, the show Burn Notice. The way they handled it in that was that 
he wasn't being hunted by his old organization. He just wasn't being supported by them anymore. And right. the, the people hunting him were all the people, all the other enemy spies he's dealt with over the years. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He wanted to get back in, but he, they wouldn't let him back in. Yeah. He, he wanted to get back in so he could get back to doing what he considered real work and, and have real support. So he was usually most of the time safe, except when he managed to somehow annoy somebody in his old organization and they would have to send somebody down to say, stop messing in our business. Keep doing your little private a team thing here, but you know, quit looking into why we burned you. Yeah. We, we talked about this a little bit. So, you know, and that is like the end game of a campaign where, which starts off or has a big right-hand turn of people going rogue. What are the long-term goals for this kind of thing? Well, you end up making, either becoming part of or making something new, some type of social structure that would... Uh, live on and change the status quo permanently. I think I have a good example. The late, great Joel Rosenberg created the Guardians of the Flame series. It was about, if you two are familiar with it. I am. Okay. When Professor Dayton sent his students who were playing in a a role-playing game into his world in the forms of their characters, They decided, okay, one of our people has died. What are we each going to give up to bring him back? And the one guy, Barrack the Barbarian, played by college student Carl Cullinane, decided, I'm going to stop slavery on this world. So he basically created this anti-slavers guild. He, he gave up his old life and he went rogue. He, he left everything behind that he had loved. He was a dilettante in college anyways. All he was doing was bouncing from major to major. So here he had he he stayed in this world, in this 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 fantasy realm, with a purpose, because the concept of slavery was just so abhorrent to him. And so he made this massive anti-slavers guild where wherever they went, they broke up slave caravans and stuff and freed the people. So, yeah, he made this new social structure in this new world he was in, and that was his long-term goal. And actually, it does kind of uh, lead into the second one. Uh, let's see. There were there were like eight books. And, yeah, spoiler alert, these books are like 35 years old, folks. Um, you die so your children or those you are loyal to can prosper in your stead. Carl ends up dying in like books five or six. His friends carry on his name, as do some of the children of these earthlings now in this world. And so I think the last two or three books of the series were Carl gets killed and they're still acting in Carl's name. They're leaving the brand that he did. And so people, you know, still all these slavers think, oh, crap, this Cullinane guy is still alive and he's disrupting the you know this continent slave trade but it's his family and friends keeping up 
the illusion of him being alive because they all joined in with Carl's vision. So yeah, it it that I that found the perfect example to link both of those where yeah, Carl as I said, he the the last two or three excuse me, the last two or three books are I think him and his wife Andrea's kids and then like the two or three remaining ones from the old role playing group and they just carried on because it was a fight that all of them because they all came from modern day earth and so you know all of us here we hate slavery it it, it is a dark part of this you know of our be- people worldwide but yeah they found it so abhorrent and just it was something they read in history books and all of a sudden here it is they were facing it so they create this new social structure that carried on after the creator died. So what I was thinking of was that, you know, sometimes when you make your break, when you go rogue, you cross some lines that you just can't cross back. But the people that you become associated with in your neck, in your following career, they didn't do that. So you, at the end of, of, of it all, you might be able to, provide you know a way for them to to join a, a, a you know the greater society or whatever uh on their terms you know even though you yourself might not be able to do it so uh you know and and you know you may end up having to you know die you know, go out, you know, in a blaze of glory, but, you know, in so doing, you have assured their, you know, their, their acceptance by, by, you know, uh, a group that, that you want them to become, to join, uh, and, and, and the two groups would therefore become stronger, but you can never, because, you know, you're a point of contention, you know what I'm saying? You, you, yeah. so that's, that's what I, I was thinking about that sort of thing where, you know, you, uh, you, you can you can basically you know earn a place for your children or for your friends, and like I said, uh, <clears throat> an ex- an example uh, not that specifically, but like when you were talking about where you create a new society, uh, the uh, uh, the anime. Uh, so uh, that time I got reincarnated as a uh, slime. You have this entire town that's populated by all these different, you know, fantasy races that really should be killing each other, but they don't because they've been um, up, uplifted, you know, through the the through the either direct inter, uh, interaction or the leadership of the of the slime that's the the main character, uh, and so. You know, you 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 create something new, a place where they can be, you know, be part of and stuff like that. And people eventually around them will accept them because they become so powerful that they can't ignore them. They can't just come in and sweep them away. Every time they try, they end up getting their butts kicked. <laughs> okay, so the uh, uh, so yes, you know, you as an end game, essentially, the slime has would be able to establish their their area as a new kingdom they'll be recognized by the other kingdoms and respected if not feared enough that they don't have to worry about somebody just rolling in and, and taking it over 
and putting every, and killing everybody or putting them into slavery or back into the social order that uh, they had come from. Yeah. Come from. Yeah. Where, where monsters are always, they're not even second class citizens or third class. Well, yeah, the, the thing with the Guardians of Flame series, um, if you remember the character who was the engineering student, Lou Ricchetti, he ended up building, well, a rather modern-seeming kingdom. It had running water. He'd found a way to make refrigeration. He upped the tech level to where, yeah, we'll free you, and if you want, you can come live in our, you know, where you can take hot baths and the health is better and... Oh, look, we have a student that did pre-med so we can, you know, help with, you know, making sure you're healthy and you won't live like, you know, you won't be living like an animal anymore like you did while you were a slave. You'll get good food and, you know, because this engine and after a while, he just became the engineer. That's what he was known as. And so prospering in your stead. Yeah. Lou Ricchetti was another one of these people, friends of Carl Cullinane, who carried on in Carl's name, if only to make this relatively higher tech area where not only they could live with some of the creature comforts of their late 20th century home, but these indigenous people could also have things like better health, better grown food, irrigation, um, sanitation, better medicine, because of all this knowledge that these college students had brought with them from 20th century Earth. So, yeah, they, they did make a place where they could prosper even after Carl was gone. So, yeah, it, it kind of, oh, wait a minute. Yeah, so it, it the, the Guardians of Flames did also cover your, the second point here. It just, it, I, I had forgotten about that. Oh, that's right. Yeah, the engineer guy. Yeah. Um, I do like the 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 other long term result. You return and conquer your old structure and make your standards a new norm. Now, that could be taken two ways. It could be either what happened, what was the norm was really really bad, and you're making it better, or you go rogue, you go full rogue, you become evil, you take down a good society and become that guy the evil overlord the guy they make the list over you know one other things the evil overlord shouldn't do so yeah i mean that that depends on how dark you want to go when you go rogue that third one because we we've been we've been kind of talking about going rogue and you're just deviating from the and air quotes here norm this third one, I'm I'm looking and it says, yeah, conquering your old structure and making your standards a new norm. Yeah, depending on how you're playing the characters, that could be, uh, you know, just if you that that would be where just it's like this isn't a rogue campaign. This is you're playing evil characters. So, which, which I mentioned earlier, the the Farscape and Eberron mashup I did. You become a zombie, and, but an intelligent zombie, and become the zombie lord. And by the end of the campaign, you have taken down what's left of humanity. All that's left now are you and your zombies. Yeah. It doesn't appeal to me, but I would not be surprised that to find that there are people out there that 
would really, you know, because I know there's video games where you play the bad guys. So, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So they would really love the idea of, of assaulting those those uh, uh, enclaves of humans that always do the stupid things that let the zombies in. <laughs> You're out there going, hmm, <laughs> how do I get them to let me in? <laughs> and now I'm, and now the song by Jonathan Colton regarding R E colon your brains. Yes. Yeah. Come to mind. Yeah. Oh, you know of the song. Okay. Oh, yes. Good. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. 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 Yes. Yeah. Hey there. Yeah, Tom. You know. Yeah. You know. You never make the one the big call. You know. After a while, all your foods are going to rot out. All we want to do is eat your brains. <laughs> That's right. Hey. Yeah. We're we're not unreasonable. We're not going to eat your eyes. Right. 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 Yeah. 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 Nobody's going to eat your eyes. Yep. Just want to eat your brain. Yep. <laughs> Well, thanks a lot for uh, uh, all of our listeners for sticking with us and thinking about this. So we really want you to try this. Of course, obviously, a big major change like this is something you have to think about, you know, plan for. I mean, this is this requires GM and players working together to come up with a, a goal structure, whatever, so that when you do it, it it really gives you that sense of satisfaction, the freshness of uh, untrammeled territory that, you know, we always seem to, you know, it's, after you've been playing as long as we have, it's hard to find. And so uh, we, we would like to challenge you to try this as a means of doing that. And, uh, you know, if it's only for just like a short period of time, you know, if you want to make up some new characters and have them do this for a while, and then uh, like a, a short story arc, and then uh, go back to your original characters. I mean, it's it's f perfectly fine to do that. You don't have to play the same characters week in and week out. And uh, and then you, if you want, you can even have a battle royale where you fight, you basically fight fight your new characters against your old characters and see which ones are the uh, uh, how how it, it it's going to end up. Uh, if you're the GM of that, you have my sympathy. At the same oh, time, yeah, yeah. I'm jealous. <laughs> I'm very jealous of you that you you can make you know, players who are that uh, bold and courageous and uh, hopefully creative. That that's another one of those that that would be for more advanced gamers. I mean, you can try if you're you know oh I've been gaming for a few years. I'll try it. We're suggesting that might be more like. With, with levels of, you know, at least of Jonathan's level of experience, if not more to do that. Right. Just, yeah. Well, I, I remember every year uh, when I was uh, at Marshall University, uh, there was like eight people that all said, hey, I'm going to start a new campaign and we're going to do this. You know, and it might be D&D, &D, it might have been Euro 13, it might have been Traveler, it might have been any number of games. Um, and... You know, ultimately, by three months later, there were only three games to be played because people just literally didn't have enough time to play eight games. <laughs> so, uh, and we weren't like we we didn't have like 150 people in our club. So, uh, but I, I'm saying I could see where you know this kind of situation is where they say, all right, you know, you know, you guys have been playing these you know, these characters, and we've all been gone for, you know, a couple of months because we all went home. We're now back at school. All right, so for the next three months until, like, uh, Thanksgiving break, we're going to play this new campaign that's really different. And at that point, we're going to resolve it, 
and then we're going to go back to our characters that you've been wanting to play all this time and and then that way we'll go and pick up from that point on and you'll have this experience you'll have this opportunity to try something that you might never have tried before and uh and, and that would form your your previous characters of more interesting things you could do because as we all know no, nothing's you know there are nothing's all black and white you know every character has flaws and also in every so-called evil character has you know uh, glow, uh glowing attributes in some way you know even uh you know, e e even evil characters love their dogs. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So, uh, so feel free to try this. All I'm hearing is Doctor Evil yelling, "Look what you did to Mister Bigglesworth!" Yeah. Um. <laughs> Find a way to give a tr give this a try because I really think this would really be fun for you and your players. But ultimately, have fun with your games. Bring the awesome to your table keep on becoming better and better players and GMs because, uh, you know, we haven't reached the, the high point of it yet. You know, we, we've all been learning as the years go by how to become better and better role players. And this is just one more tool, to, uh, one more tempering ah, yes. uh, of your skills. So we look forward to, to hearing uh, of your successes and failures because uh, that could be fun too. And we'll have more for you next week. But you'll have to wait until then. This is Bruce Sheffer saying there are a million, million worlds out there. So go explore them. And this is Trav. There's a reason why it's called gaming. It's for having fun. Gaming on the Frontier podcast is wholly owned by its hosts. It is released under the Creative Commons 3.0 license. No commercial reproduction and any use of any element of the podcast must be attributed to the Gaming on the Frontier podcast. Hi, this is Trav from the Travcast. Listen to me Tuesday nights, 8 to 10 p.m. Eastern on listen.dementiaradio.org colon 8027.